Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. These are the MMA Minutes. I am your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, Danny Gutierrez. What's going on, Sean? How you doing? Good. How are you, bud? Oh, I'm excited. I'm ecstatic and I'm pumped. I'm ready for UFC. It's International Fight Week. It's, yes, it is International Fight Week. It's, oh, man. There's, there's five title fights total, three events this week, July 7th, July 8th, and July 9th. This this week is just going to be explosive. I'm very excited for this week. It's yeah. it's a very fruitful week for fight fans. I'm very excited. A triple header of UFC events on July 7th, July 8th, and July 9th, obviously culminating in UFC 200. And then next week we got a fight night, uh, I believe, in Sioux City, uh, North Dakota or South Dakota. So we definitely have uh, more fights coming up. But let's get into it right away because there's a lot of fights and a lot to be covered. And we'll go into the first fight event july 7th taking place at the mgm grand i think i believe possibly the last ufc event taking place at the mgm grand because of the new t-mobile arena that they're most likely going to hold most of their events in in las vegas now but the mgm grand las vegas nevada july 7th the headliner is rafael dos anjos versus eddie alvarez this is taking place on fight pass and the co-main event is roy nelson versus Derek lewis in a heavyweight bout but what other fights are you excited about before we get into the co-main and main event well the two other main fights on this card are actually very good um alan joban versus bilal muhammad bilal muhammad's a heavy-handed uh welterweight uh, alan joban actually trains at black house with greats like the Noguera brothers and Anderson Silva and the list goes on and on. Uh, another fight is Joseph, a lightweight, content, uh, lightweight fight between Joseph Duffy and Mitch Clark. Mitch Clark is also very, uh, he's a very crafty veteran, but so is Joseph Duffy. Joseph Duffy's a much versatile striker though, but his ground game is legit. Um, he's just coming off of a big war with Dustin Poirier. If you remember, that was a crazy fight. That was actually supposed to be a five round fight, but it was only a three round uh it was only a three-round headline on the prelims, so that was actually a very interesting fight to watch. It was a very good fight. It was a dog fight. And something about this fight, I mean, Duffy has a 64% sub rate. Mitch Clark has a 64% sub rate. They're so very similar in styles. So if you like grappling, this one, this one's definitely going to be uh, an interesting one for you. Yes, I I, I agree. Um, Joseph Duffy's actually really good off of his back, and he's very good with chokes. Mitch Clark's also very good with chokes, and he's very good on top as well. He's very good at utilizing that ground and pound in the cage to suffocate you so he could just sink in a choke or take an arm or something. Um, the welterweight fight in Alan Joban between Bilal uh, Muhammad, I, I feel that Alan Joban can get it done as long as he utilizes his movement because he has very good movement and very uh, very dynamic striking but Bilal Muhammad can catch him and make his day and win the fight so if Alan Joban utilizes his movement I, I could take him for the win lightweight uh, lightweight the lightweight fight between Joseph Duffy and Mitch Clark I believe Joseph Duffy's experience can get it done because of the fact that he's made so much noise in the UFC so I think that he can get it done with his uh, dynamic kicking his dynamic boxing and his, he could uh mix it up with his ground game as well and this card's completely loaded you even got the veteran mike pile on here and and completely down the list you got gilbert burns a mike guy who pile just came off of a really big war too and he actually came off of quite quite a significant layoff how long has it been since he's fought maybe about five months i think last time he fought was february but and you also have gilbert burns deep on this card a guy who who kind of looks like the next vitor beltor just in it just in looks wise not 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 actually style wise but he, he's got the build of a young vitor but let's get into that co-main event here we got roy nelson big country taking on Derek lewis in a heavyweight bout who do you like in this one and why well both heavyweights are actually very heavy-handed Derek lewis a little bit more than roy nelson but roy nelson has that vintage overhand right and he's got a very good he's got a high level brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt loner Henzo Gracie but that's something that we very rarely see because his overhand right is so devastating he's knocked out Czech Congo he's knocked out Mirko Krokop he's knocked out Brendan Schaub he's knocked out pretty much everybody almost everybody in the heavyweight division he's gone to war with everybody he's a very long time uh, veteran of the UFC he's also a ultimate fighter winner of the heavyweight division when uh, being coached by Rashad Evans. So Derek Lewis has a chance with his heavy hands, but if Roy Nelson could utilize his elusiveness, his elusiveness and his experience, I think that he can get it done. Yeah, it definitely. And, and if you're looking for a, a fun fight, kind of like that Bosey O'Connell fight back in McDonald versus Thompson where these guys just went to a war, you're talking about Roy Nelson, who has a 64% KO rate. You're talking about Derek Lewis, who's finished 93% of his fights by KO. And Roy Nelson is actually extremely durable. He went to war with Josh Barnett. He went to war with Fabricio Verdum. He's gone to war with a lot of big heavyweights. Alistair Overeem, he's been in there with everybody. You're definitely and he's only been knocked out 
by Mark Hunt in the UFC. And Mark Hunt's tough. He's he's got a he's got a big fight coming up yeah, against, we'll, up against Brock Lesnar. We'll definitely be talking about Mark Hunt later. Who who you got in the, the Nelson Lewis fight? I'm gonna take Roy Big Country Nelson for the win by knockout. Knockout in which round? Um I'd have to say the second round. Second round. All right. And let's move on to the main event. The championship bout between Rafael dos Santos and Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight belt. Rafael Dos Santos defending his belt for the second time. He is 24-7 and seven in his career. Eddie Alvarez flipped that. He's 27-4 and four in his career. Who do you like in this fight? Can the champ get it done? The champ can get it done, but he's going up against a very uh, durable veteran as well. Eddie Alvarez is the former Bellator lightweight champion, the two-time former Bellator lightweight champion, if I'm not mistaken. Rafael Dos Santos is a destroyer, and his he also has a very high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu ground game, but training at King's MMA with Master Rafael Cordero, the master behind a great gym known as Shootabox in Brazil, has really taken Rafael Dos Anjos' game to a whole new level with his striking. He's devastating everywhere now. Rafael Dos Anjos is a true champion. You saw that when he dismantled Donald Cowboy Cerrone in the first round. Just these shots to the body were so devastating. Up against the cage, he defended the takedown well, and he just ground and pounded him out. Rafael Dos Anjos is a very powerful, uh, lightweight, excuse me, Eddie Alvarez is also a very powerful uh, lightweight. Eddie Alvarez is a wrestler with good boxing and good heavy hands. He's actually got pretty good movement himself. Um, he's very powerful in the clinch, and that's how uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov was able to dominate Rafael Dos Anjos, the current champion. So if Eddie Alvarez stays in Rafael Dos Anjos' face and utilizes his wrestling, his superior wrestling, I think he could take him down and eke out a decision. However, Rafael Dos Anjos is one of those fighters because of that shoot-to-box style does not stop coming forward. He's just a freight train of power in the lightweight division. I think he, I think he can get the finish. He can get the finish in what round? I think he can get the finish in the later rounds. So you, so you have the champ winning the championship rounds and finishing Eddie Alvarez, correct? Yes. All right, and let's move not on. Not to count Eddie Alvarez out because he is a very he's a former world champion. He's a very heavy-handed world champion as well. He's he went to war with twice with um Michael Chandler, the yeah. the current Bellator lightweight champion and, and Michael Chandler. And, so, and we were talking about another Bellator uh, lightweight on the the next card that we're actually talking about the tough fighter finale, tough twenty three, finally wrapping up. Claudia Gadelia won her team won seven out of one or seven out of eight bouts, something crazy like that, and, and tough. And I, I haven't actually been watching this tough because I don't know. Tough kind of lost it. It's it's a lot like it, it, it's it's kind of catch. Yeah, it, it's not it's not what it was when it was like Nick Diaz uh, on it or and I'm sorry Nate Diaz on it and, and it was it's not like when it was with Rampage and, and Rashad Kimbo Slice Kimbo Slice G, GSP and Koscheck it's it kind of it kind of lost its it, its luster I guess but uh but, but I mean we, this this card didn't lose its luster because you get Joanna John Jacek taking on Claudia Gadelia and we're even talking about Bellator lightweights or former Bellator lightweights and we got Ross Pearson two, taking on and this Will is just Brooks. two and this is just two of five title fights total for this week this is such an exciting week for fights this is this this week is deep with rich talent and rich world-class talent this is a very exciting international fight week so outside of the actual tough finale fights and the championship fight what fights are you excited to see Oh, the lightweight fight between Ross Pearson versus Ill Will Brooks, because we were talking about Bellator lightweight champions, were we mm-hmm. not? Ill Will Brooks is a lion. He's a former uh, Bellator lightweight champion. Um, he defend, he, he's beaten Michael Chandler twice. He's defended, he's defended uh, his belt against Marcin Held. He left Bellator. Now he's in the UFC. He's got an eight-fight contract with the UFC. We could see, we're going to see what he's made of when he goes in against uh, mm-hmm. the tough winner and Ross Pearson. Ross Pearson's a knockout artist, and he's actually got very good kicks. He's a taekwondo black belt, and he utilizes his movement very well, especially when he's in the pocket. And you saw that in his fight when he knocked out Gray Maynard, former lightweight number one contender Gray Maynard. He knocked him out with a with crisp combinations. Uh, Ross Pearson's a very durable veteran. Um, Ill Will Brooks. He's got that championship experience, and he's young, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting debut for Ill Will Brooks, and it's no easy task against uh, Ross Pearson. And it's funny you bring up Gray Maynard because he's making his featherweight debut later, like uh, deep earlier on on this card. Gray Maynard's taking on Fernando Bruno in a in featherweight premier, bout. In the pre- in, excuse me, in the premier uh, preliminary. preliminary card. Yes. Yep. So, so what do you think about Gray dropping down? Do you think Gray's done? Do you think Gray can actually make a career here at featherweight, or do you think? It's it's done for the uh, UFC legend. Well, you know what? We see fighters such as Donald Cowboy Cerrone 
go up in weight, but you see fighters like Anthony Showtime Pettis go down in weight. So it 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 all depends on his body. Gray Maynard's always been a very thick lightweight. He's always gotten very big off season whenever he's fighting. Whenever he is fighting and he cuts weight, he looks shredded and he's strong. It's going to be interesting to see him at featherweight. If he can get something done at featherweight, then yes. And it de- it all depends on his performance. It's all on Gray Maynard now. We're gonna, we're going to skip the the tough finale two fights, the the women's strawweight fight and the the men's I believe light heavyweight fights, and we're going to go right to the main event. We got Yojana John Jacek, the coach of one team, taking on Claudia Gadelia for the strawweight women's championship belt. That was a that mouthful there with Johanna John Jacek. Uh, the best thing is Goldberg trying to say that name. But yeah, Johanna John Jacek <laughs> defending her belt against Claudia Gadelia. John Jacek won the first bout between them. She's 11-0. Claudia Gadelia 13-1. That one loss coming to Johanna. Who do you like in this fight? Uh, they're both very scrappy girls. Johanna John Jacek is also... She's a former Muay Thai champion. I believe she's a former eight-time Muay Thai champion. Her striking is very devastating. She likes to attack with the hands and straight punches. She's got a very sneaky sneaky uppercut and lead left hook, excuse me. She's a very she's a very good fighter. She's a very experienced fighter and she her striking is just world class. Claudia Gadeja trains at um, Nuva Uniao with cha- with former champions such as Henan Barrao and Jose Aldo and she's fought Joanna before. She's she knows what she feels like. She has the most knowledge out of all the other uh strawweights in the world on how to beat Joanna. This is going to be a very interesting title fight. Joanna Joanna Jinjejek is also very good defensively on the ground, and that's very important because Claudia Gadeja is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, I believe, as well, under Andre Pedneris. Um This is going to be a very exciting fight. Claudia Gadeja is very heavy-handed. She likes to attack with with hooks and just a barrage of strikes. She's very powerful, and you look at that. When you look at her, she looks like a little tank. Mm-hmm. She looks like a she looks like if, if Powerpuff Girls were real, it would be <laughs> Claudia Gadezia would look like that. She's just a powerhouse of a woman. And going up against Joanna's and Jacek, that strength is going to carry on. But I believe Joanna's and Jacek's uh, experience will carry her into it. Will carry her and favor her into the championship rounds. I think she can get it done by decision. I, th- I think you, you're, what you're kind of referring to is that those Brazilian shoulders. You see it on Vitor. Vitor She's Vitor's monstrous. Got big shoulders, and same with Claudia. Claudia's just got a ton of power, but I, but I think I agree with you. I think Joanna's Yo- definitely got the experience there. She's got the win previously, and I think Joanna's obviously going to be pissed off if her team didn't win. A- not to say Claudia's not motivated. Oh, Claudia's no. extremely oh, this is, motivated. This is going to be a great fight. This is going to be a scrap. This is going to be a great fight. But And again, this is only two of five title fights for this week provided to you by the UFC. This is an exciting week for fights. And I did make a mistake. I said the, the uh, fight night between uh, Alvarez and uh, Dos Anjos was the last uh, event uh, in the MJ McGrain. The tough finale is actually going to be the last one. The first UFC event in the T-Mobile Arena or Center uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, that just currently opened up uh, UFC 200. Will hold be, UFC 200. It will be the first UFC event uh, in uh, the new uh, arena, UFC 200. Uh, I think I guess it's kind of big, right? It's large, but <laughs> I'm going to talk about the MGM Grand for a little bit because yep. the MGM Grand has provided a plethora of events for the UFC, and not just for the UFC, for events all over the world, for concerts and boxing events and the MGM Graham, it's gonna it's gonna be sad to see it go, but the T Mobile Arena is bigger, it's better, and it's badder. So we're gonna see what the T Mobile Arena feels like at UFC two hundred. I don't know if, if officially they're going to just completely cut it out. Uh, per se, but I, I I think they're most likely going to rely on okay the w- doing the, the way you were talking about it made it seem like they were just getting rid of the MGM completely. <laughs> oh no, they're not tearing it down. God no, I don't think they're tearing that down. But uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you you totally mentioned it. I mean, the Ultimate Fighter one. I mean, you got the the first ever Ultimate Fighter Forrest Griffin Stefan Monner. Basically, the fight that changed the game that happened there at the MGM Grand. So I mean, that's obviously a big place holds a lot, a lot of, of MMA history, history with the MGM Grand and the UFC. Yeah. Well, let's get into UFC 200. Uh, I mean, we're, we're going to be covering every single fight because they're all well-known fighters. These aren't like guys that are bringing off the streets. The first prelim fight. Every got- fighter on this card, top to bottom, is either a champion, world-class, within the top 10. This is a monstrous card from top to bottom. And it is UFC 200, ladies and gentlemen. And the first fight, I mean, the guy, neither of these guys are ranked, but they're completely well-known. I mean, one of them's a legend. We got Jim Miller taking on Takanori Gomi. Who do you like in this fight? Oh, they're both very extremely 
crafty veterans. They're very longtime veterans of the sport of mixed martial arts. Takanori Gomi is the former Pride lightweight champion, and he's fought guys like BJ Penn and Diego Sanchez, who's also on this card. Mm-hmm. Jim Miller's also been in there with the best of the best. He's been in there with guys like Nate Diaz and Joe Lozon, who's also on this card. Um <laughs> Jim Miller's got a very high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He's got very good boxing techniques. He's got very good Muay Thai techniques as well. Takanori Gomi's a wrestler with very good boxing, um, but he's been known to get submitted from time to time, by, mostly by guys with high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu ground games, such as Joe Lozon and Nate Diaz, so I think Jim Miller can get it done with his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu here. Both of these guys are coming off a two-loss win or two-loss fight streak, and and you know it's t- you know we're we're making this a special fight because it is UFC 200. So I'm going to give my, uh, my my predictions as well. You know, it, you know, please. You, you talk. You talk, we never hear your predictions. You, I'd love to hear your. predictions. You, you talk about uh, Takanori Gomi kind of being uh, susceptible to to uh, you know submissions. I think I agree with you. Fifty six percent sub rate for Jim Miller. Both fights for Takanori Gomi ended in the first round, his last two fights. I think Jim Miller is going to be able to do it, at least in the second round, third round by sub. I think he's going to catch him with a choke, or maybe maybe he's going to find a limb, but I, I think he's definitely going to be able to finish him there. Let's move on to Gegard Mousasi taking on Tiago Santos. It is going to be a middleweight by about who do you like, Gegard or Santos? Well, both of these guys are actually very good striker. striker excuse me, Gegard Mousasi's uh, former... I believe he's a former kickboxing champion, and he's a former strike force light heavyweight champion. He's got a lot of experience as well. Um, Tiago Santos is coming into his own, and you see that with his knockouts, like his knockout against Steven Bossy, who's actually a very good boxer and a former the former NHL player. Um, this is a very interesting fight. It's a very intriguing fight. Gegard Mousasi is very good in the clinch, and he likes to take people down as of late. Tiago Santos is very good on the ground as well, but he's got some devastating striking. He's got very heavy kicks, and he's got very good straight punches. I believe he's a southpaw as well. So this is going to be a very interesting fight to watch. Um, I believe the middleweight Tiago Santos can get it done with his explosiveness. See, see with with these guys, I mean, Gegard, they both lost to Uriah Hall, but the thing is, Tiago Santos' biggest loss and biggest fight was probably against Uriah Hall. Gegard Mousasi is a legend. He's He's been through wars consistently throughout his career. I, I think it's going to be hard for Gegard not to win. I mean, he wasn't... He, I think he believed he was supposed to go up against Derek Brunson to start off this, but Brunson had to pull out. I think he's going to be... And Derek Brunson's very heavy-handed middleweight mm-hmm. as well. I, and I think he's already trained for a guy who's going to rely on striking like Santos. I think Gegard's going to be able to pull it out, whether it's a decision, whether it's a sub, whether it's a KO. I'm not really sure where it's going to end or how it's going to end, but I definitely see... Uh, Gegard pulling out the win. And let's go to two veterans, two crafty veterans, to uh, end the fight pass prelims. we got Diego Sanchez taking out Joe Lozon. Who you like in this fight and why? I think both of these lightweights are going to paint the UFC octagon red, as yeah. red as can be, because Diego Sanchez is one of those fighters who just bites down his mouthpiece, looks at you from across the octagon, and runs after you with guns a-blazing from strikes from left and right. Joe Lozon is actually a very high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt as well. He's got he's known for going through these bloody wars, such as the the historic event with Jim Miller. Joe Lozon and Diego Sanchez are going to go to war. I can't. I, it's very hard to predict a winner for this fight because both of these guys are just going to bring it. Oh yeah, completely. I mean, if you look at any of Joe Lozon's fight, it's he never leaves anything in the octagon. He's always giving it his all in this octagon, and it's, and it's always a great thing to see. And Lozon's one of my favorite fighters because of that. But Lozon is kind of on a break. He hasn't fought in about seven months. His last fight was a loss against Evan Dunham, and that was in December. So, I mean, it's going to be weird to see Lozon coming back, or, you know, really how he can come back. And, you know, his last three fights, he lost to uh, Aquinta, he lost to Dunham, and he beat Gomi. And, I mean, Gomi's kind of on the latter half of his stages, so it's kind of weird to see where Lozon in his, is in his career. I mean, obviously, you talked about Jim Miller and Diego Sanchez. You know, Diego Sanchez just beat Jim Miller. He beat Ross Pearson. He lost to a guy in Ricardo Lamas, who was, I mean, uh, one of the top uh, guys in the, in the division. It so, was his featherweight debut as well. So yeah. it was. I'm sure that transition was very difficult for him to make. Yeah, I know, totally. And I, I think that, you know, a guy like Diego Sanchez, I think he's going to be able to pull out the win. win. It, it's it's hard for me to say that because I do love Lozon so much. And, I mean, it, with a guy like Lozon, if, if he's able to take down Diego Sanchez, he's going to be able to, you know, get a get a limb or get a choke. 
Uh, but you I, know, I, that's where the difference is. I believe in this fight. Diego Sanchez is at, at the beginning of his career. Diego Sanchez was one of those fighters who would take you down, ground and pound you out, suffocate you with strikes, and then look for a submission. Or mm-hmm. he'd look for a submission and then suffocate you with strikes and finish you from there. It's, it wasn't until he knocked out someone uh, by the name of Joe Diesel Riggs that he started standing up with people. Um, he is he his his chances are on top against Joe Lozon, but Joe Lozon has very good reversals. He did he, when he got taken down by Jamie Varner, he reversed him and he submitted him. It's going to be a very interesting fight. I believe Joe Lozon has the superior grappling. Diego Sanchez is just a monster, so I'm going to have to give Joe Lozon the decision win. A decision win. Yeah, yes. I, I think I think I think uh, I think we're going to see a lot of finishes on here. I think I think all of the first. I think all the prelims are going to end with a finish. I got I got Diego in, in a finish of somehow, whether it's a sub, whether he goes back to his old roots, or he stands up and, and knocks out Lozon. But let's go to the FS1 prelims. We got Sage Super Super Sage Northcut taking on Enrique Marine. This is kind of the the fight where you know one of the one of the guys isn't too well known. I mean, Marine, I, I believe this is his third or fourth fight in the UFC. I don't think I don't think he has a lot of UFC experience. Sage Northcutt, obviously super sage, you know, the kid looks like an Amber Comedy Fitch model. He's he's <laughs> he's got the he's got the knockout we do back finishes. Flips. Yeah. We do lots and lots of backflips. The high finish rate. I mean, he's finished every single one of his fights that he's won. So, who do you like in this fight? Do you like Super Sage or do you like Enrique? I do like Super Sage, but it's not because he looks like he can win. Because he oh, he's can win, proven to win. He, yeah, no, super- he's a very high level karate black belt, and he's been competing in karate. Uh, excuse me, he's been competing in karate events ever since he was a little boy. He's been on the cover of magazines. He's been through it all his whole life. He's very disciplined in his uh, in his training as well, and he's gone to train with guys like Faraz Hobby and George Saint Pierre up up north in Canada and TriStar Gym. Um, Sage Northcutt's got a wealth of experience. I think he could get it done against Enrique Marine. I, I agree. We don't have to talk about this one too much. Uh, Super Sage is gonna win this one. I feel like Dana kinda gave him a, a curveball and it's like, all right, well we're gonna get a we're gonna get a finish and we're gonna get Sage to not to say Enrique to Marine can't win because no, it, no it's not but Sage Sage North excuse me, Sage Northcutt did get submitted in his last fight, so we're it's, gonna see. Yeah, and Marine is is known for his subs. Uh, he's got sixty seven percent sub finish, but it's it's gonna be Sage. I, th- I think <laughs> I think I think it's kind of a, a softball here. But but let's get on to the the fights that are gonna be just com- from now on. It's basically a fight that everyone wants to see. You got T.J. Dillashaw taking our former bantamweight champion. And and basically this is going to be the bantamweight champion number uh, one contendership. So we got T.J. Dillashaw, the number one ranked uh, bantamweight in the UFC, and then we got Rafael Asuncao, you know, number three ranked uh, bantamweight uh, in in the UFC. Who do who do you like in this one? T.J. T.J. Dillashaw and Rafael Asuncao have gone to war before. That was a very close fight. They gave Rafael Asuncao the decision win, but it was a very hairline split decision win. TJ Dillashaw is the former bantamweight champion and he just came off a very very razor thin close fight with the current champion Dominic Cruz who just dominated Uriah Faber. This is going to be a very interesting fight to watch. TJ TJ Dillashaw has really come into his own when it comes to his striking. When he fought Hannah Morale, he looked like a professional kickboxer out there, yeah. and he comes from a wrestling background. And that's from that training with Dwayne Bang Ludwig. Rafael Asuncao is a very high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, he's got very heavy hands. That's how he's actually submitted most of his most of his fighters is standing up. He stuns them with his heavy hands, his powerful shots. When you look at when you look at Rafael Asuncao, he's a very stocky bantamweight, very powerful, strong bantamweight. So this is going to be a very interesting fight to watch. I believe this is going to be TJ Dillashaw's speed and experience versus the power and motivation of Rafael Asuncao. But I believe the former champion can get it done by knockout. Yeah, see, the thing with Asuncao, I mean, we kind of saw it with John Jones coming back to the UFC. There was ring rust, and he Asuncao hasn't fought since 2014, so... You're going up against a guy, at and T- that was against Brian Caraway. And yeah. Brian Caraway is actually a very crafty fighter. He's a very longtime veteran of the UFC. And and, and Asuncao does have the win against Dillashaw, and that's obviously going to play into here. But Dillashaw, I mean, ever since he did lose, I mean, his, his only uh, lose to Asuncao, his only other loss was to Dominic Cruz in a split decision. I think it's completely. I, I think it's it's Dillashaw's fight to lose. Basically, I think I think Dillashaw. Not only has the experience, he's fresher. He he has more training. He's obviously developed more than a Sun Sao in these past uh, since their last fight. 
I think Dillashaw is motivated. I think Dillashaw has obviously grown, and I think Dillashaw and, and Cruz are easily the top two fighters in the Madison Weight Division. I'm going to take Dillashaw, and I think I think you're right. I think he's going to I think he's going to knock him out in the third round. I think it's going to be not not a razor thin where it's like you know last minute, but I think he's going to be able to to kind of win the uh, attrition war. I think he's going to be able to wear down as sometime. long as TJ Dillashaw can stick to his fundamentals, he will be okay, and he will knock out Rafael Sunsau. Right. What won TJ Dillashaw the bantamweight title was his diverse attack. He kept switching mm-hmm. stances. He was using his footwork. He looked like a feather out there, and he was stinging like he flew like a butterfly and stung <laughs> like a bee against uh, Hannah Burrell. So if he could do that against Rafael Asuncao, he can get the win. But when TJ Dillashaw fought Dominic Cruz, he was very complacent, and he did switch stances, but there weren't any volume strikes. It felt like that. T- it felt as if TJ Dillashaw wanted to knock out Dominic Cruz but couldn't, and that's what lost him the fight. As long as he sticks to his fundamentals, his kickboxing fundamentals, his movement and his speed, switching stances, the diversity of his of his weapons, I think TJ Dillashaw can get it done against Rafael Asuncao. Let's move on to the next fight, the welterweight fight between Johnny Hendricks, the former uh, welterweight champion, and taking he's going to be taking on Kevin Gastelum, a former UFC or Ultimate Fighter winner. Uh, he beat Uriah Hall in a tough 17. Who do you like in this fight and why? Both welterweights are very powerful welterweights. Um, they're both very strong wrestlers with heavy hands. Calvin Gastelum's actually fought up and down at middleweight and welterweight. He's missed weight twice as well. Yes, so we're going to see if he can make weight. Johnny Hendricks. Johnny Hendricks is, of course, the former UFC welterweight champion, and a lot of people argue that he should have been the champion beforehand because he went to a war with the former UFC welterweight champion, the great George St. Pierre. So this is going to be a very interesting fight. Johnny Hendricks is coming off of a very devastating first-round knockout loss to Stephen Wonderwood. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, which nobody expected. Nobody can expect, but now you're like, all right, I could see why, because no one can solve Wonderboy. And this is very interesting because it is Southpaw versus Southpaw. When Southpaws fight Orthodox fighters, they love it. When a Southpaw fights an Orthodox fighter, it's almost like a gift. It's almost like a cakewalk because a Southpaw can utilize his very odd timing against uh, against an orthodox fighter so orthodox fighters very seldom do they like fighting southpaws it's very difficult to fight a southpaw when you are an orthodox fighter so you're not going to see you're not going to see any tentativeness in this fight because they're both southpaws with very strong overhand lefts calvin gastelum is very light on his feet for a welterweight and he moves like a lightweight and he's very strong in the clinch as well. He's a very, he's got a very intriguing style. He's got very fast hands and when they land they're devastating. He's got very good takedown defense. He's got the wrestling. He could do it all. Johnny Hendricks is of course a a two-time NCAA D1 champion and that's twice. That's a very diff, that's a very prestigious title in re, in college wrestling mm-hmm. to get done. So, I believe that uh Johnny Hendricks has a chance, but I'm taking the younger Calvin Gastelum. Really? I'm, yes, the, I'm, I'm the, taking I'm taking the younger Calvin Gastelum because all his only loss is to Tyron Woodley. Nope, and, and Neil Magny. Oh, Neil Magny. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. sure. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um his only loss is in the welterweight division are the two top five welterweights, and that's Neil Magny and Tyrone Woodley. You're talking about top five welterweights. I know I know Hendricks is six right now, but this is a former uh, welterweight champion. He barely lost to GSP. People would say he beat GSP. He beat Robbie Lawler once. He lost to Robbie Lawler in a split, split decision. He lost to Wonderboy, who, I mean, I, no one saw coming, and now people are like, all right, well, he might be one of the best welterweights in the world, let alone the UFC. I think it's going to be completely Hendricks because you know get if you I'm 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 a guy who likes to look at patterns. So if you look at uh, where uh, UFC 154, uh, Hendricks beat uh, Martin Katman uh, by KO in the first round. Then he beat Condit in a decision, unanimous decision at 158. Then he lost to GSP. Then he beat Ro- Robbie Lawler. Then he lost to Robbie Lawler. Then he beat Matt Brown. Then he lost to S- Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. It's got to be a win. It's got to be a win. It's, it's going to go back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. I'm taking Johnny Hendricks. I, I, I think there's no way that, not no way, but I, I think that Hendricks, the way he looked at the Wonderboy fight, I mean, he looked lean. He looked just like a complete 
bodybuilder he looked like he was cut a stone and then wonder boy obviously lit him up i don't think hendrix is going to let that happen i think hendrix is motivated i think hendrix is a fierce competitor i think i think hendrix is going to be able to get the win you talk about motivation with uh someone like johnny hendrix johnny hendrix actually stressed very much so that he wanted to learn that style so we'll see if he comes out with some kicks in this fight <laughs> we'll definitely see I don't, I don't think a lot of people can uh can imitate uh wonder boy thompson because he's been he's been honing that craft for so long and i think wonder boy tried or uh uh, Rory tried to, trying to learn that, and he came out kind of in a similar stance, but uh, he, he wasn't able to beat him there. Let's move on to the women's bantamweight fight, fight between Kat Zingano and Juliana Pena. What do you like in this fight? Both bantamweights are very powerful bantamweights. Uh, Kat Zingano is actually a very powerful wrestler with very good ground and pound. She's got very good submissions as well, and she's a scrapper. She loves to fight. Juliana Pena, I believe, is undefeated in the UFC, and she's also and she's also an Ultimate Fighter winner. Juliana Pena has got a very good ground game. She's got a very suffocating ground game. You saw that in her fight with Jessica I when she had when she got Jessica I on her back. She was just like glue. She would not get off of Jessica I, and she just suffocated her with ground and pound and just overwhelming transitions from the top. Kat Singano's very motivated. She's actually coming off a very long layoff. Her last fight was against the former UFC women's bantamweight champion in Ronda Rousey where she got submitted 14 seconds in the first round. Yeah. That was a very tough break. So we're going to see what she looks like coming back. Again, guys like Dominic Cruz say that ring rust isn't real. It's only real if you let it be real says the great Dominic Cruz. So we're going to see what Kat Zingano can do after a long layoff. But I'm going to take Juliana Pena because she's the fresher fighter. See, you, you talked about long layoffs, and, and if if we look at Kat Zingano's career, her uh, her first fight in the UFC was against Misha Tate. It was in 2013. The, the current bantamweight champion. And she and she beat her in the th- third round. Then she went up against Amanda Nunez a year later in 2014, beat Amanda Nunez after losing the first round. She came back in the second and third round and knocked her out. Then she obviously lost to Ronda and a year later, and Ronda was obviously a different a beast there. I mean, that was that was Ronda where it was like, all right, how quick will she finish right. people? Uh, but but now Kat Zingano, I think Kat is motivated. Obviously, she has her 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 personal uh, her her personal you know downfalls, her, her obviously her struggles in her career or in her life just outside of the, the octagon. I think Kat Zingano is going to come back. I think she's she's dealt with ring rust before, and she's proven that she can overcome that that layoff. I think that she is looking to kind of be in that con- you know in in that discussion for the the bantamweight belt because you you obviously have Ronda but Ronda's not coming back. We don't know when Ronda's going to come back. She's obviously going to come back, but we're not, we're not sure when. Holly Holm, she loses to Shevchenko. She's going to most likely be knocked out of title ship contendership. And then you got Misha Tate. If Misha Tate knocks off Amanda, Amanda Nunez, a person that Kat Zingano's beat, then you know Kat Zingano's putting herself right into that bantamweight heavy uh, that bantamweight belt discussion, and she already beat Misha Tate. I think she's going to be motivated. I think she wants that belt. I think Kat Zingano's going to be able to take this one in the third round by KO. I think I think she's going to be able to finish her. Kat Zingano again can get it done. She's a very longtime veteran of women's mixed martial arts. She only has with that one loss, and that one loss does haunt her. But Juliana Pena, I believe, is more confident and more cunning and more willing to rise to this occasion. I think she can get it done against uh, Kat Zingano. And now we are on to the main card of UFC 200 and the first fight, and we're talking about long layoffs. We're talking about Mr. Layoff here, the guy who we thought would be the greatest heavyweight of all time, who's still young. Who's but, arguably still one of the better, one of the best heavyweights of all time. Well, we don't know because he's always hurt. Cain <laughs> Velasquez taking on Travis Brown. We're in the main card. What do you think is going to happen right away? Do you think it's going to be a boring fight between Kane and Travis Brown? Do you think it's going to be a, a just complete barrage of punches? What do you think is going to happen in, in Kane versus Brown? Well, when's the last time you saw a boring Kane Velasquez fight? That's pretty true. When's it's the last fair. time you saw a boring Travis Brown fight? Both both of these explosive heavyweights are very powerful. Kane Velasquez is, of course, the former UFC heavyweight champion. He beat he beat Brock Lesnar to win the championship. Someone who's fighting in the co-main event of this card, but we'll get to that soon. Cain Velasquez is a very... Dana White calls Cain Velasquez the Terminator, and that's because he only takes steps forward. He very rarely takes steps backwards. He keeps coming forward. He keeps suffocating you with his wrestling. You saw that when he fought Junior Dos 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 Santos. Thank you. Junior Dos Santos. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be talking about Dos Anjos the whole damn show, so it's fine. And uh, Junior Dos Santos, that was a very... That was that was 
those are just some of the most dominating wins of Cain Velasquez's career. Of course, Travis Brown is a very long, very tall heavyweight. He's got very good movement because of his uh, college basketball background. Travis Brown's been at the top of the heap of the heavyweight division for a very long time, but he's always lost those fights that would get him into title content contention. He lost Fabricio Verdum. He lost to Andre Arlovsky. He lost to Bigfoot Silva. However, he's always rallied back in a very significant way. You saw that in his fight with Alistair Overeem, where Alistair Overeem was just it looked like that Travis that Travis Brown was going to get finished in the first round by Alistair mm-hmm. Overeem, but he weathered the storm. Just started throwing he, those and, kicks, and he just started throwing front kicks that that knocked out Alistair Overeem. So Travis Brown's a very is 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 one of those fighters who can come back and win a fight. Cain Velasquez, as long as he keeps on the taller Travis Brown. I believe he can get the win. However, you like you said, Cain Velasquez is coming off of a very long layoff. So we're going to see what he looks like when he comes back. Travis Brown, is, as long as Travis Brown stays on the outside, keeps the center of the cage, and utilizes his straight punches and his long punches and his kicks, I believe he can get it done here against Cain Velasquez. Seven out of the uh, last eight fights for Travis Brown have ended in TKOs or KOs. I mean, if you look at his fights, the only one that wasn't was Fabricio Verdun taking him to decision, and Fabricio just won that that ground war like he always does. Travis Brown is either it's gonna get it's gonna be a war, and if you and if you look at Kane, Kane in my eyes it can still be the best heavyweight, and it's, I it's, agree. It's more about absolutely injuries. One hundred percent agree. Kane Velasquez is in in a league of his own when it comes to his when it comes to his cardio and conditioning. Kane comes to fight, and I don't see Kane losing this at all. I mean, Travis Brown, don't get me wrong. Travis Brown, fantastic fighter. He's he's always going to be in that top five. Will he ever get to that that, that over that hump? Kind of where Alistair was when he first joined the UFC. It was like, you and know. And Alistair is now in yeah, riding now he this is. big wave. Alistair's coming back. Yeah, it was more of, you know, like when is Alistair, because we saw Overeem, you know, dominate overseas. We always, we always saw that. I think Kane is going to be able to to get it though. I mean, he's he's obviously the better wrestler, and if he does want to take it to the ground, he's going to be able to. I think he'll be able to even use use his uh, footwork and and it's just on his feet, his his heavy hands. I think he's he'll be able to technical. knock him out. Kane is very technical. He's got very good footwork and very good leg kicks and the, very good boxing. This one's not getting out of the first round. No, this one's not going out of the first round. It's, I think I think Kane's yeah, going to knock him out. I don't out. believe this fight's going all three. There's no oh, way God, this fight's no, going no, all three. It's done in the first round. If it, it, I would say it's going to be done in the first three minutes. And this fight on this card is only one of two other fights that aren't for a title. Yeah, on the on the main card. We'll, we'll get into the next. We'll get into the, the the first title fight on this card, the interim featherweight title, the rematch, Aldo versus Edgar. Two. We got Jose Aldo, the former featherweight title champion, and who's only lost two fights in his career and only lost once in the UFC. He's twenty five and two, taking on Frankie. The answer, Edgar, the former UFC lightweight champion who upset BJ Penn twice. Twice, three, three, three times. times. Three, three times. I don't know if the, the last. One, I don't know if the last one was really an upset, but yeah, no, he's beat. He's beat BJ Penn three times. We got Frankie. The answer, Edgar, nineteen and four and one in his career. The one being a Gerardo Gray Maynard. Who do you like in this fight? Is Aldo going to get over that hump, or is it going to be Frankie Edgar finally getting the featherweight belt? I'm actually very intrigued to see Frankie Edgar, the new Frankie Edgar, Frankie Edgar 2.0, come up against a very motivated Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo is coming off a very devastating knockout loss to Conor McGregor, and that was back in December. Frankie Edgar has been nothing if not amazing in his featherweight debut. His only loss is to the former UFC featherweight champion, Jose Aldo, like you just said. Frankie Edgar has fought the cream of the crop of the featherweight division. He's fought Charles Oliveira. He's finished Cub Swanson. He's beaten Uriah Faber. He knocked out Chad Mendes in the first round with a lead left hook in the pocket, which is something that, tra- that, that excuse me, which is something that Chad Money Mendes is very good at. I'm very happy to see Frankie Edgar back in the octagon. I think he can get it done with his consistency against the featherweight champion Jose Aldo because the former champion Jose Aldo was always known for falling and running out of a gas tank, his gas tank in the championship rounds, and he was the champion. In the fourth and fifth rounds, Ricardo Lamas dominated him with ground and pound in his guard. In the fourth and fifth rounds, even though it was a war when he fought Mark Hominick, Mark Hominick was still able to get on top and beat up Jose Aldo for a little bit. Frankie Edgar, in their in their first fight, I, that was Frankie Edgar's featherweight debut. Mm-hmm. So Frankie Edgar was trying to get a hold of the timing and the speed and the explosiveness of a featherweight, a world-class featherweight like 
Jose Aldo. So I think Frankie Edgar 2.0 can get it done against uh, the former featherweight champion, Jose Aldo. I'm biased because Frankie Edgar's, I think he's probably my second or third favorite fighter in the UFC. I, it, uh, it, 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 I want Frankie to well. win. I, I want Frankie to win. So I think we're a little biased here. I want Frankie to win. Uh, I, I and I agree with all your points. So I mean, you, you're the one that you, you're the you're the expert here. You, you, you know what you're talking about. So <laughs> I'm no I agree expert. With, I just call it like I see it. I agree with all your fight. I agree with all your uh, your your, uh, your opinions. I, I think I think Frankie is actually going to finish him in the fifth. I think I think it's going it, to. It, I mean, I could see definitely see it going to a decision. But I think Frankie's going to be able to. I think Frankie will feel that championship uh, kind of gut. And, and if Aldo won the first three, he's going to feel that in, in his stomach. He's going to be able to. He's gonna, he's going to go after him. I, I think I think Frankie's going to be able to finish it or win a decision. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Frankie's going to be the interim as long featherweight as, champion. As long as Frankie Edgar can utilize his movement and his speed against Jose Aldo, he can get it done against Jose Aldo. But not to say that Jose Aldo cannot win oh, because God, he's no. very motivated. He's, and he's, the, he's, he's the former He's the time, best featherweight of all he's time. He's one of the best featherweights I mean, of all time. I mean, he's right now amazing. I would say he is the best featherweight explosive of all time. Explosive Muay Thai, a very high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt that we very rarely get to see because his striking is extremely devastating. Jose Aldo is a very powerful featherweight. I believe that Frankie Edgar can get it done, though, because of his consistent consistencies as of late. I agree. Let's move on. Uh, the bantamweight title we talked about the uh, Katsingano and we touched Pena on fight. it a little bit. Yeah, we, we talked about that a little bit. Well, now we got the actual title on the line. We got Misha Tate, the current champion, Cupcake Tate taking on uh, Amanda Nunez here in the, for the bantamweight belt. Who do you like in this one? You got the champ or you got Nunez? I do have the champ, but Nunez is a very scrappy uh, female fighter. She's of course the number one contender in the women's bantamweight well, division. By default, kind of. By default, but she's fighting for the title, which makes her the number one contender. All right, all right. She's all fighting right. for the title. That makes her the one, the number one contender here on UFC 200. Everyone's a number one contender now from top <laughs> to bottom. This card is stacked. But getting back to the women's bantamweight championship fight, Amanda Nunez has actually improved on her striking as well as her takedown defense, and you saw that when she fought Sarah McMahon. Sarah McMahon just could not take her down, and whenever she was on the feet against Amanda Nunez, Amanda Nunez was just using her angles and using movement and utilizing her superior boxing techniques and her explosive boxing techniques to get the better of Sarah McMahon. It's going to be interesting what a wrestler like Misha Tate can do against Amanda Nunez. Misha Tate has also polished up her striking. She's got very good boxing and very good movement on the outside. And for a short, stocky wrestler, that's going to help because she is able to spring in and out when she wants, just like George St. Pierre used to be able to. I believe that Misha Tate can, did, can get it done because she can dictate where this fight can take place. And she could, she could stand up, she can use her movement, and she could use her takedown, she can use the cage, she can use the center. Misha Tate can do it all. Amanda Nunez has a chance with her hands, but I believe that Misha Tate's experience, championship experience, the former women's strike force champion, I think she can get it done here by by submission. You said it right there, championship experience. If you look at Misha Tate's career, you know, in her debut on Strike Force, where she lost to Sarah Kaufman, since then, two of her fights have gone to the first round. She beat uh, she beat Valio Kuba. Uh, in the first round, I don't know. I've never heard of that fighter, but I'm just gonna go with it. <laughs> and she lost to Ronda Rousey in, in an armbar. Other since then, uh, you know, there's been two people who've taken Ronda Rousey past the first round. It was Misha Tate in uh, when they went to the third third round, more, uh, third round, it won sixty eight, and she lost to uh, and, and then uh, she she took home to a five round fight there. I think that what I'm trying to say here is. Misha goes to wars. Misha wears down her opponent. Opponent. She goes after it. She goes for the decision. She goes for you know. I'm gonna take it to the ground. I'm gonna wrestle you down. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for this. I think that you know Amanda Nunez is a, is a person that relies on finishing the fight, and that's obviously seen. She's 75 percent of her fights end in KO. 17 of them finish in uh, with with subs. I think Cupcake Tate. 44% decision. I think she's going to take it to a decision. I think Amanda Nunez is going to be gassed by the fourth and fifth round. I think Tate's going to be able to take it there. I, th I think that Cupcake Tate just wants to hold on to that belt as long as she can until Ronda comes back so she can say... She desperately wants a third fight with Ronda Rousey. Her, she wants her, to win. Her, yeah, she really wants to win. Misha Tate is a winner, and that's what that's the difference in this fight. I believe mm -hmm. that Misha Tate can get it done. And the thing with Nunez is not saying that she's never going to be able to win a belt. She's oh, still she's still not. young. She's a very but, explosive bantamweight. Yeah, but 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 I feel like Tate's got too much on her. And uh, you could probably say this one's the main event. We're moving on. Uh, this probably is the main event in most people's eyes. This is why most people are going to be tuning in. Brock Lesnar is back in the UFC octagon. He's taking on the number eight 
ranked heavyweight in the UFC in Mark Hunt. Can Brock do it? Can Brock do it? Let's see. He's fighting the former 2001 K1 World Grand Prix champion in Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt is known for the walk-off knockout, and that's due to his very powerful, strong, short frame. That's also due to his kickboxing experience in K1. Can Brock Lesnar get it done? Absolutely. He's the former UFC heavyweight champion. He fought guys. He is at the beginning of his career, he was thrown into the shark tank. And he looks like a shark himself. <laughs> but he was thrown into the deep end of the UFC heavyweight division. He fought Heath Herring. He fought Frank Mir twice. He's fought Shane Carwin. He's fought Alistair Overeem, Kane Velasquez. He's in his entire heavyweight career, he hasn't fought anybody who wasn't in the top five. Brock Lesnar can get it done. However, Mark Hunt has his career, his mixed martial arts career at least, has become something of a Cinderella man because he he was always a very prestigious kickboxer in K1. He wouldn't be the 2001 K1 World Grand Prix champion if that wasn't the case. He is one of the best strikers in the world today. He his his primary focus of attack is with his hands. And when he throws kicks, he throws very powerful leg kicks, and he's very good at defending the takedown as well. The difference is is that when he lost to Stipe Miocic, the current UFC heavyweight champion, Stipe Miocic mixed it up. He utilized his boxing, and then he changed levels at, a, at, a, at an untimed rhythm mm-hmm. and take down Mark Hunt. Can Brock Lesnar do that? We'll see how Brock Lesnar's striking has become as of late. We're going to see what his striking has become as, as coming off of that very long layoff. See, the thing is, is and Brock got me into the UFC. I think like most people, Brock got me into the UFC. Well, you're a wrestling fan. Yeah, I was a wrestling fan. And I, I, you still are a wrestling well, fan. I know a little bit. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too much into it. I kind of go, I'm kind of more of the MMA side now. But And obviously, I don't, they're not comparable, but you know what I'm saying. I, right. I'm, I'm more on it's the, entertainment. The, it's yeah, entertainment. I'm on the true fighting uh, <laughs> entertainment side. But, you know, with... With Brock, if you look at his his last two fights, you obviously saw that he was dealing with diverticulitis. Uh, he was obviously dealing with a lot of uh, health issues there, and you know you hope that that stuff's gone. But this is a different UFC. This isn't the same UFC of 2011. I no. mean, this is these fighters have changed. The these level fighters of have, the level of competition has been has been set. Yeah, for the UFC, and I mean, luckily, luckily for Brock, he is in the heavyweight division, which is probably the thinnest of all of the UFC divisions. I mean, the, the, I mean, maybe flyweight is probably the other light heavyweight. It's a very thin division. Yeah, I mean, it, it heavyweight light uh, heavyweight light heavyweight and probably flyweight are the thinnest divisions in the UFC. So I mean, that's obviously helping him. But with with Mark Hunt, I look at I look at the last fight against Overeem, and he brutally just attacked him with leg kicks and brutally attacked him to the body. I think Mark Hunt. I mean, if Brock takes him down immediately, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the only way Brock. That's wins. gonna be the big difference. That's gonna be the only way Brock wins. But I don't think Mark Hunt's gonna let him do it. I mean, if you look at Mark Hunt's stats, I mean, he's got fifty three percent takedown defense. No way, no way, it's gonna go to the, the 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 ground. I think I think Mark Hunt's gonna gonna knock him out. Mark Hunt's ready. Mark Hunt is prepared. He's always been there. He's when he he was almost the UFC heavyweight champion when he fought. Fabricio Verdum in Mexico for the interim UFC heavyweight championship, he knocked down Fabricio Verdum quite a few times before mm-hmm. Fabricio Verdum took it to the second round and faked the takedown and threw a flying knee, which knocked out and finished Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt's Mark Hunt is just a they call him the super Samoan, and he's very powerful Samoan. He's got very powerful hands and this 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 fight is quite literally going to explode because these two mm-hmm. heavyweights are very explosive both heavyweights have to cut to make the 265 pound <laughs> heavyweight weight limit Brock Lesnar of course used to have again used to have the longest the longest reach in UFC history with 81 inches in reach I believe yeah he's he also has he, he he's also the first fighter to utilize triple XL gloves in the UFC He's a superstar. He is a superman. Brock Lesnar is monstrous. Mark Hunt is also monstrous, but Mark Hunt, I would have to say, his kickboxing can get it done against 
the weaker striker in Brock Lesnar. With all due respect to Brock Lesnar, mainly because I don't want him to come to my house and like you know suplex me until like <laughs> my head cracks open. But right. I, I, I respect Lesnar, and he has been the guy that you know people will obviously put down ever since he said uh, I was he was coming to the MMA or coming to uh, MMA and making the transition. Uh, and Brock obviously proved people wrong. But Brock Lesnar is been... one of the most mentally strong individuals in the world, and that's what got him the UFC strap. That's also what made him very successful in his college wrestling. He's a NCAA D1 championship wrestler. He's mm-hmm. a very he's a very powerful competitor. It's it's been 5 years though. And that's the thing. And 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 the the fight that I would compare this to in Brock's career would probably be the Shane Carwin fight because Shane was known for his bombs that he can drop from from with his hands and and Mark Hunt's known for for knocking people out and and, and 75% KO rate. He's known for Standing in the pocket, knocking people out, walking away with that with, with his right hand. I mean, he's got very powerful boxing. He's got very yeah. powerful straight punches, very powerful lead hook, a very good right uppercut, very good overhand right. He's just he's a very but if Brock Lesnar recognizes those patterns, he can time a Mark Hunt and get the takedown and submit him on the ground. Mark Hunt, I think he's going to mix it up a little bit more in the clinch with his knees and his elbows. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think the thing is is just he won't be able to get it to the ground. Brock won't be able to get it to the ground, and that's going to be the, that's going to be the downfall. If he does what he could, he did to Shane Carwin and, and just basically wear him down. Weather and, the storm. And, and yeah, I mean, I think Shane, Shane Carwin was obviously dealing with a lot of health issues then too. But if he can weather the storm, get it to the ground beat him down kind of like what he did in the Frank Mir fight where he just got him against the cage and just kept hitting him and hitting him and hitting him and and kind of with the sh- uh the uh, Randy Couture fight where he was just hitting him on the ground with short sh- shots because Randy couldn't get up I, I, that's going to be the only way Lesnar wins but I'm gonna, I'm going to take Mark Hunt but let's let's move on you said uh Brock Lesnar had the longest reach in the UFC before someone came along and that someone was John Jones a reach of 84 inches he is the interim light heavyweight belt, the champion the 22-1 and one John Bones Jones taking on the light heavyweight champ in Daniel Cormier. 17-1, and one, the only loss coming to John Jones. And this is what UFC 200 was all about, was this rivalry, this very heated rivalry. But John, John Jones respects DC. Oh, absolutely. Just, John just Jones not, respects DC. No, no, and Daniel just, Cormier yeah. respects John Jones as well. They just very much dislike each other personally. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite part about this is John Jones is like, yeah, we just don't like each other. I just, I, 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 you know, it's not like I don't respect him. I just, I don't like him. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I, I think, I think this is gonna be, uh, this is gonna be a battle. This is the coup de grace of UFC 200. This is why we watch UFC 200. This is why we watch great fights because both of these, both of these fighters are two of the best fighters in the world pound for pound today this is going to be a very exciting like he- light heavyweight championship fight to watch for sure for sure and and I, I do want to see john come back and be the same john jones that that we saw before you know obviously all the legal problems and all of his problems outside of the octagon because before he he came out and, and had those problems he was looked nearly unstoppable he did he did and i mean we say that and he comes back and he's he still still looks unstoppable still looks unstoppable i mean we we haven't seen john jones though since that gustafson fight that gustafson fight kind of we kind of saw a new john jones it wasn't it wasn't the same guy who was going for a finish every round he wasn't going you know just completely coming out and using that length and using that 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 reach advantage and, and using his his boxing to open up patterns and then going for the finish he, he was he kind of become more he kind of became more of a reserve fighter because gustafson kind of shown him that power that other people could possess and then obviously glover had that power as well and glover obviously has a ton of power behind him so you know he kind of he kind of stood back there and, and kind of weathered the storm there dc he knew dc can take him down because of, of dc's wrestling background he kind of strayed away there and just kind of won with the with, with staying you know back and, and just just fighting and with Owen say prue prue has that that power that that kind of glover possessed got that power and that wrestling yeah so he, he kind of stayed away and just used his length i i want to see john jones come out and not use that length and just use his skill and use his athleticism because as much as DC has proven that he is one of the best fighters in the UFC, John Jones is still, in my mind, one of the greatest fighters in the UFC. And, I, and you know, it, it's difficult for, for this to, to say because, you know, John Jones obviously has a lot of uh, problems and we, we haven't seen his, his, his actual true form uh, back since that DC fight. I think that John Jones is going to be able to finish this one. Just because I think John Jones is motivated, I think John Jones wants to prove people that you know this stuff's behind me. I'm I'm sober now. I I'm back and I'm ready to take 
you know, back in my light heavyweight championship, and I'm ready to prove that I'm the best in the world, and I'm sick of DC running his mouth. Uh, but you know, why, why do you why do you think one fighter will win this, and who do you think will win this? You know what? You touched up on Alexander Gustafson, Alexander the Mahler Gustafson. His only loss in light heavyweight is to, or excuse me, his only losses in the light heavyweight division are to top Bellator light heavyweight Phil Davis, top UFC light heavyweight Anthony, Anthony Rumble Johnson. Yep. And his only two losses are to the champions, both champions, Jen John Jones and Daniel Cormier. And both fights, when he fought Daniel Cormier and John Jones, he took both of those guys to war. Again, Alexander Gustafson is right there. He was right there. But Daniel Cormier's wrestling and his experience utilized it to get utilized hit that to get it done. He's he's a former Olympic uh Olympic wrestler. He's a former uh, Strike Force heavyweight Grand Prix champion. Um, of course, the current UFC heavyweight champion, Daniel Cormier, is a very powerful competitor, and he trains at AKA with, alongside with guys like Cain Velasquez and Luke Rockhold. He's, he's he works and utilizes championship level um, training every day. John Jones as well. John Jones just train does train with uh, Greg Jacks Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn. That's what's got him very far. He trains with world class fighters daily. Both of these guys, as I said, both of these guys are the best of the best in the UFC in the world, not just in the light heavyweight division. John Jones is coming back very motivated. Very motivated. Daniel Cormier is also coming into this fight extremely motivated. Both are very powerful wrestlers. Of course, John Jones has the more dynamic striking. Both guys are very powerful in the clinch. If you take either guy down, they can get right back up to their feet and utilize their striking. Daniel Cormier has more technical striking, more technical um, approach to the kickboxing realm. John, John Jones, Jones has explosive John Jones yeah. is John Jones is very dynamic. He likes throwing the spinning attacks and the flying attacks, and he's not afraid to go to the ground, especially transition from his back. He mm -hmm. pulled guard against someone who's who's known for slamming people when he's in their garden, Quentin Rampage Jackson. John Jones, I I agree with you. I think John Jones can get it done. I think John Jones is coming into this fight extremely motivated. As long as he does not sleep on Daniel DC Cormier, he can come into this fight very motivated. The Daniel Cormier ha uh, I apologize. No, Daniel Cormier has admitted in the past that he goes into fights not so mentally prepared that sometimes that events like this get to him sometimes things get to him and he does admit that can he fix that that's all up to him that's all in his mental game if he comes into this fight extremely motivated and stays in john jones's face and and, and as long as he doesn't play the range game with john jones he can get it done both of these guys have a chance to win i'm overall i'm taking the current interim champion the former champion these guys are going to unify the titles and go to war I think John Jones can get it done. John Jones has been able to step up to the occasion. He won at UFC 100 July 11th, 2009. He's going to win, in my opinion, in July 9th at UFC 200. I think he's going to be able to get this done. I think he's going to be able to retain or you know take back what's his in his eyes. And I, and I just hope that when he does do that, or if he does do that, because uh, you can't count out DC, uh, he he can stay atop of his game. He doesn't have to. That this, he stays this, healthy. That he stays very mentally prepared. And he stays in the game. He doesn't. Yes. He doesn't let this outside, uh, this outside of the octagon stuff get to him again. I I, I think that I, I hope he puts his demons past him. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, this is gonna be a war. Uh, I I, I hope I, I know it's gonna be a fun card. There's no way with these great fighters that it's not gonna be a fun card. Whether it's the prelims, whether it's the main card, whether it's you know any of these fights, they're all gonna be fun fights and they're all gonna be great. This whole week is just stacked Completely with fights. Stacked. Five title fights total. Three fights July 7th, July 8th, and July 9th consecutively. Three days, three events. It's You can't ask for anything better than this. I'm going to ask one more thing before you because we've gone on for an hour. This is the last thing that I'm going to ask you. What is going to be the fight of the week? What is going to be the best fight in our minds? We're walking out and we're saying that was the best fight. The fight of the week and we're walking out and saying that's the best fight. Fight of the week. Oh, man. Frankie Edgar versus Jose Aldo. You think that's going to be it? I think that'll be it. However, there's some monsters on this on that same card, such as Diego Sanchez and Joe Lozon. And as I said, that, that, that octagon will be painted red well before the title fights because of those two. So... 
I'm gonna give it. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna give the tiebreaker here. Either it's Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, or it's Diego Sanchez, Joe Lozon. See, I, I agree with both of those fights, but you know, we look at Dos Anjos and Alvarez, and I think that that one's gonna. I think Dos Anjos is gonna run amok over Alvarez. Uh, and I think I think Joanna and Claudia can put on a war. I, I was think, gonna say Joanna I, and Claudia. I think that's gonna be up there. But I'm also gonna say, you know, we, we look at we look at the fights that that people remember, and it's it's like the it's it's either the the long war between Mark Hunt and uh, and Bigfoot Silver, where they went five rounds and just completely went of after each other. Stop heavyweight action. Or it was you know Gilbert Melendez taking on uh, I forget I forget who the other one. What was that? that, that Gilbert that, that Melendez war. was fighting Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez, and yes, that's it was that what, one. That's how that war that one started. That one where they just looked down and just started punching each other to end it. I, I, I look at that and I'm like, all right, well, what's the other kind of fight that, that, that people love? And it's the one round fight where all they do is leave everything in the octagon. They leave everything there. Travis Brown and Cain Velasquez. I think that one's going to be the, the, the show steal right there. I think it's going to kick off UFC 200. It's going to kick off that main card. People are going to be like, boom. It's going to get people into it. It's going to get people going. And then you got three title fights. And then you got Brock Lesnar. It's going to be Cain Velasquez in the knockout victory. I think, I think that him and Travis Brown immediately they're going to touch gloves and then it's just going to be a war on the feet it's not going to go to the ground i think that's going to be my prediction there for uh for the for the fight of the week is kane velasquez versus travis brown it's going to wrap up this hour-long uh episode of the mma minutes this is the mma hour sorry ariel Lani. <laughs> uh but danny i want to thank you for joining me this has been uh this has been fun oh this has been the best and i cannot wait for next week because we've got more fights coming up it does not end oh it doesn't see 200 ufc, UFC 200 is the beginning of a new era for mixed martial arts yeah, i mean ufc 202 is looking like it's going to be competing with uh the greatness of ufc yes. 200 I I mean, it's, it it, there's a lot going on, and we're definitely not going to be uh, slowing down here on the MMA Minutes. But thank you, Danny, for joining me, and we will see you next week. Set, 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 set.